in verse 17. Uh, and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God, and praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit, being watchful to this end with all perseverance and supplication for all the saints. And for me, that utterance may be given to me, that I may open my mouth boldly to make known the mystery of the gospel. I just want you to take note of verse 20. It says, For which I am an ambassador uh, in chains, that in it I may speak boldly as I ought to speak. Paul is talking here. Paul, it's interesting, Paul doesn't let us know that he's actually in prison, enchained, uh, until the very last chapter of the letter he wrote. He wrote, there were six chapters obviously in this book, and it's the very last chapter he lets us know. And he says, I'm an ambassador in chains. I'd... Uh, I find that interesting because um, the truth is, is that Paul literally, uh, prisoners often found themselves in the culture of the Romans that they would, would be chained to a guard or a soldier with a single chain. Uh, not only just in a prison cell, or, but actually chained, or in maybe some cases um, house arrest, they would be chained to a soldier. Um, so we see when Paul says, I'm in chains, he probably literally was in chains. Just wasn't talking about being in prison, but literally in chains. And I find this very, um, very much a paradox. In other words, very contradictory, this statement. He says, because he says, I'm an ambassador in chains. If you think of the, today's culture and what we use the word ambassador for, um, you'd soon understand we often talk about ambassador as a person who would represent uh, a country and be sent by that government of that country to represent them in another country. And they would live, uh, they would be a part of an embassy. And uh, let's just take example, uh, Australia, if we were to look for a, a person to go to America to be, and we call them an ambassador. At the moment, our ambassador to America is a politician, Joe Hockey. Um, last year, uh, he's just got the job. Uh, but last year, it was a former Prime Minister. Um, Kim Beasley was the ambassador from Australia to America. And you know, with ambassadors, you've got to appreciate that ambassadors um, uh, receive the best. They're looked after. So they'd fly into the country and maybe even on a private jet and they'd be wined and dined at lovely restaurants and they'd live in a lovely house and they'd have people that would serve them to do their job there in that country representing Australia. Um, they would uh, they'd have many, uh, many be given much favour. Um, you can appreciate um, the, the contradictory part here is Paul says, I'm an ambassador, but I'm in chains. In other words, he says... Um, an ambassador in our thoughts is someone who gives favour. When you're in prison, you're not given favour. You're not, you're, you're not given anything that the, 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 the culture of what we think ambassador would be. Um, the interesting thing is, did you know by international law, an ambassador in a country can never be imprisoned? Never. That's, that's, if, if they have trouble with an ambassador, they can send him home, but they can never imprison him they can never legally come against him and, and file charges against him how would you that's a pretty good job you're protected so you know so the contradictory or the paradoxical part of this is you're an ambassador you're favored and yet Paul says I'm a favored yet I'm in chains 
Those two connections, they don't really go together, having so much favour. But when you're in prison, there's no favour in prison. Paul was chained. He couldn't go where he wanted to go. He couldn't do what he wanted to do. Obviously, he had someone who was dictating a scribe who wrote down this letter, so he was allowed to do that. But he's a person, but it's interesting, isn't it? Um, And the thing I want to say this morning, Paul is saying something very clearly here that we need to hear today in our church, in our lives for 2017 July and it's this is what it is what he is saying is where I am is not who I am so where I am right now is in prison but who I am is I'm an I'm a a representative of Christ I'm an ambassador right now where I am is in chains but really who I am that doesn't represent that does not determine uh, who I am Uh, and if we would just understand this because I think so many times um, we would allow the circumstances and where we are right now in life to, to determine who we are. And we can't allow that because that's not who we are. You may have different situations today that just want to dictate to you and try and whatever that may be, tell you who you, uh, who you are. But you know what? That you don't need to listen to the circumstances that determine who you are. You need to hear exactly what God says about you. So we've got to be careful we don't allow present circumstances and situations to define who we are. Because Paul is clearly saying, uh, where I am in prison is not who I am. He was basically saying, where I am, as a, in prison is not, I'm not a, but I'm not a prisoner. And you know, I love that thought because you know, you can, um, you might feel like you've got some circumstance that want to imprison you, but you are not a prisoner if you're in Christ. You don't have to be. You, you know, where you find yourself is not who you are. Because you know what? You, if you believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, you're a child of the living God this morning. You're saved by this wonderful thing called grace. The truth is, and um, God, God says about you, we're all conqueror in Christ Jesus. See, no matter where I've been or what I've done or what I haven't done or what I have achieved or haven't achieved, the truth is that's not the thing that describes who you are. That's just where you are. Okay? And, and, and you know, the Bible continually says in many different times, it says many things about those who believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and accepted him in their life. They say, overcomer, conqueror, new creation, chosen. Uh, child of the living God. Continually, God is upbeat about your life. Continually, God looks at you. He doesn't say, oh, scum, loser. God never says that. The world will say that. God never will because he doesn't see you that way. He doesn't see you even as you are now. He sees you as you will be. God looks from a perspective of what he sees for your future and puts that on you right now. He says, that's what you are to me. But sometimes we allow that the, where we are the difficulty, the pressures to determine who we are, and that's not who we are. So let's pray. Father, today I ask, Holy Spirit, you do a far better job than I can, and I ask that you would reveal your truth, and that, Father, there'll be change broken, things happen, snap today, and there'd be release and power in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. If you were to ask Joseph in the Old Testament, Joseph, where are you? You know what he would have said? I'm in prison. And then if he said, who are you? He would have said, I'm uh, the next leader or the second in command of Egypt. If you were to ask David and say, David, where, where are you, David? He says, oh, I'm just a shepherd boy in the field. Who are you, David? Oh, I'm the next king of Israel. 
If you were to ask maybe someone like Ruth from the Old Testament, where are you, Ruth? She would tell you, I'm a, I'm a foreigner in a foreign country with no husband and no children, and I'm, not even, I'm a non-Jew, and I'm in a Jewish country. And if you said, who are you, Ruth? She said, you know what? I'm the great-grandmother of David and, the, and a relative to the Savior of the world, Jesus Christ. Can you see where they are to determine in the end who they were? If you were to say to Esther, Esther, where are you? Esther, she says, I'm a Jew living in a, in a foreign country adopted by my uncle Mordecai. And uh, if you said, who are you, uh, Esther? She would have said, I'm a lady in waiting to be an influencer to save a nation. If you were to say to uh, Daniel, where are you, Daniel? He said, I'm in the lion's den. Who are you, Daniel? Uh, I'm the next second in charge of the Babylonian Empire. If you were to say to Jesus Christ, where are you, Jesus? He says, I'm hanging on a cross. Who are you, Jesus? I'm the Son of God and the Savior of the world. I want to say, what determines who you are today? Because it's not where you are that you need to be determined by today. You need to see who you are. This is where I want to change because I gave this introduction about three weeks ago on a Sunday night, but I want to change the, the whole message now. It goes a different way. And I want to turn your attention to one more verse this morning in Ephesians chapter 1, verse 11. And it says this. It's the same book Paul wrote. He wrote this in the first chapter. Remember, he wrote those words about ambassador in chains in the last chapter. And he says this. And this is the Message Bible, so it's, it's paraphrased. It's uh, very contemporary. It says, it's in Christ that we find out who we are and what we are living for. Come on. Before long, uh, sorry, long before we first heard of Christ and got our hopes up, he had his eye on us, had designs on us for glorious living. That's the way God looks at you. Now, I'm not going to, uh, there's no condemnation here this morning. If you don't feel like you're living gloriously, um, I want to tell you it's not about your, where you are today. It's about who you are here such a difference and some people I know can spend their life the whole life trying to find out who they are and why they're alive trying to prove something in life I tell you stop trying to prove yourself and just start to improve yourself as you look at Christ in Christ and stop trying to prove it and you know the, the scripture says it's in Christ that we find out so many times I think we look at so, all the circumstances to find out who we are. I want to tell you who you are today. In Christ, as I've already said, you're a conqueror. You're chosen. You're loved. You're, uh, you're special. You're amazing in Him. Uh, you're grace, uh, faith-filled and grace-adopted um, by Him. And it's amazing. And if we understand that it's not where we are in life, but who we are in Christ, we'll understand some three things this morning I want to share with you. If we can understand that it's not where we are, but who we are in Christ, we'll understand these things. Number one, you know what? That we are complete in Christ. We are complete. You might think, oh, what's that really mean? Well, Colossians, he wrote another book to a group of Christians at, at Colossians, and he said this in Second. Second uh, Colossians chapter 2, verse 10. And you are complete in him who is the head of all principality and powers. Here we go. He says, you are complete in him. You know, nothing will complete you. Nothing will complete you like Christ can complete you. No social status will complete you. 
No other person, whether it's your marriage partner, your spouse, or a a relative, or a friend, or a good relationship, or a boyfriend, or a girlfriend, will complete you today. No uh, title above your door of your office will complete you. No, No number of things that you may own will complete you. No money in the bank will complete you. Come on. Nothing will complete you. You know what will complete you today? When you find out who you are in Lord Jesus Christ and His love in your heart, that will come. That will complete you. Will move you towards that realm. That's what completes us. See, when we're in Him, we take on the completeness that He has. And the word completeness means this: it means to um, lack nothing, to make whole or perfect. And uh, when Paul says we are complete in Him, it meant we lack nothing. We have His fullness. And it's amazing how many times in Scripture that, the, that Jesus says in John fifteen eleven as one example. He says that my joy may remain in you and that your joy may be full, may be full. Do you know um, joy and happiness are two different things? Happiness is what happens depending on the circumstances around you. Joy, it's seasonal. Happiness is seasonal. Happiness will come and go. Um, you know, happiness, uh, good things happen, we're happy. Bad things happen, we're not happy. And that's okay, we get that way. But joy, that's a whole different ballgame. Joy is what remains with you in here. It's not this external, it's in here. And, uh, and it's a joy and incredible peace that will remain with you no matter what the circumstances. Joy is not dependent on where you are, it's just uh, it's dependent on who you are and knowing who you are. Happiness is dependent on where you are. As Malcolm said yesterday, we had a brilliant day. And I just personally want to say well done to all the team from Port City and all the people who are involved in raising that money. And, and uh, while we might have won the team trophy, really, it, it, it really is just a facade, that thing, because it's really just to get everybody excited and raising money so that chaplaincy can benefit and God may be glorified, okay? We don't mind winning, but <laughs> it wasn't about the race. It wasn't a race. But yesterday, I didn't finish. I come off at the 35-kilometer 35, 35 mark, and that was a disappointment. I wanted to finish. Uh, and I found myself on the bitumen and, and couldn't continue, which was disappointing. And, um, you know, as I got up and looked at my wounds and dusted myself off and felt a bit sorry for myself for a moment or two, in the end, I really realized that, you know what, uh, you know, happiness will take me to the sad places right now, or joy and peace will just say, God, you've got this. And he did, and I'm here, and I'm alive, and we're all good, and I'm smiling. <laughs> He's got it. And you know, in life, but, and you know, if our identity, if our understanding who we are was just based purely on how we felt physically or how our emotions felt on a particular day, you know, our identity would just swing up and down. But the reality is our identity is not, and if it was just based upon, you know, just based upon a couple of cuts and bruises, you know, I think most Australians have a really healthy identity because you and I get over cuts and bruises pretty easily, don't we? A few stitches here and a cut here, a bit bruise here, it's not really an issue. We might whine for a little period of time, but in the end we say, well, it's, it'll get fixed, you know, and I'm not um, trying to anyway. Uh, say that our health isn't important and your health is, it is important. But generally, we're pretty resilient. We're pretty resilient. And so I, in, in the light of if, if identity and who we are 
was based upon just that. I think we pretty have pretty healthy identities, but I understand something more and you understand something more because your identity and your who you are question answered is really based not on the cuts and bruises on the outside of the body. It's really about the cuts and bruises on the inside of the body that really determines what we're going to think about ourselves. And I'm so good that our God reaches into those areas. He says, that's what I want to heal. That's what I want to minister to. You know, we need to take the opportunity and worship Church, because when we worship, God's presence wants to just come and bring wholeness and health and here and create a who we are health in our lives. So much understanding who we are. Who we are. Lord does not give to us anything and does not need to give to us anything extra because in Him we can be complete. And you say, but he's not a physical, it does, I can't, he doesn't physically see him, I can't, you know, I can't go and shake his hand. No, no, you can shake the hand of the person beside you who could represent and have Jesus Christ in them. You know, the reality is, is that you can be his representative and we mightn't see God potentially or physically, but you know what, I don't see electricity, but I'm sure not going to rip those lights off and grab the wires. His presence is tangible and incredible. And I encourage you, if you've never sensed that, you would push in and say, God, more of you. Just show me your glory. Show me your goodness. Because when that happens, and even in worship, some incredible just words this morning to worship him via through the songs, you know, he reaches into that part of us and says, you know what, I can bring wholeness and health there. From that dysfunctional family situation that you, you were not deserving of, but you copped anyway, I want to bring wholeness and health. From that, from that situation where you just feel you've been um, rejected, I want to bring wholeness and health. From that situation where you just feel like there's this unforgiveness towards you all the time, I want to bring wholeness and health in that situation. I want to make, because when you do, you start to answer that question and see that you are healthy in Him. You are who you are is in Christ. And you think, man, I'm okay. I'm doing well. But it's found in Him. It's in Him. Um, and the Bible says, draw near to him and he'll draw near to you with his fullness of life. Folks, when did we stop drawing near to him? Can we just continue to do that, to draw near to him? Because when we do, he just draws automatically near to us. It's like we take one step, he takes two. We take another, he's right there. His presence does a work that nothing else in this world will ever do. No television show will ever give you what Jesus Christ can. No amount of money in the bank will ever do it. Praise God that we have it in the bank, but you know, no money will do that. No, no other person in my life, even my beautiful wife or my children who I love dearly and my son-in-laws love dearly, you know, they'll never do it. That relationship is just, see, you know, we get the flow wrong. We sometimes think someone else will prop me up and we go and then we think, then we'll love God. No, love God and it'll, you'll be able to love others. See, it's all determined on what happens in here. And, and the cuts and bruises and the, whatever may happen in your outside body is nothing to compare to sometimes the cuts and bruises on the inside that God wants to minister to through his presence and his Holy Spirit. So not only, number one, we're complete, but number two, when we understand that it's not where we are, but who we are in Christ, we'll understand this, that the Christian faith is an incredibly positive faith and belief that we can be positive people, incredibly. We're, we, we're originally created to be totally faith-filled and totally positive. And when God created us, you know what he said? This is good. We sang it this morning. He is not only good, but when God looked at us, he imparted the very nature of himself, his very DNA into us. And he says, that's good. 
He looked at us and Adam and Eve and creation and he says, that's good. He didn't go to the Holy Spirit, uh-oh, made a mistake, that's not so good. No, he looked at us and said, that's good. You're good. And you know what? He hasn't changed his mind in all these thousands of years. He still looks today and say, you know what? I am good. I want to impart my DNA into you through my presence. And you know what? You're good as well. You know, he, did, he says you're a positive. You could be the person of, of total faith and positive and not negative negativity. We live in a world of negativity. I don't watch the news sometimes. You know why? Because <laughs> it's just so negative sometimes. So many things happening, and, and I love what Channel 7 was doing lately. They're trying to put positive stories on. I thought, yeah, good on you. Some of the stuff we hear is just negative, negative, and because we live in a, live in a, a media-driven world, you, you hear so much stuff all the time so quickly. We've got to be careful of all that. Um, God is totally positive about us. When Adam sinned, negative forces were introduced, unfortunately, which were very harmful. And negative forces are intruders in our lives, folks. If man was created to be negative, then it would be, just think about this, it would be really beneficial for us to worry, have anxiety, be resentful, unforgiveness, jealousies, and all the rest of the gamut of, of attitudes we can, in, we can have and sometimes embrace. If it was really beneficial to be negative, we'd embrace those things and we'd really benefit from them. Who knows? You never benefit from that stuff. Never benefit. Thank you. One person. Great. Anybody else never benefited from that stuff? Thank you. My brother-in-law is my sole supporter. <laughs> we don't benefit. And we know that. You know that. I know you know it. But you and I need to understand that those things want to destroy us and not help us, harm us. And Jesus says, Jesus always treated negativity, negative forces as intruders. He always treated negative things as intruders. And, he, you know, remember in the story of Matthew chapter 9, Jesus was asked to come and, and this um, girl had been really sick, a little girl, and she was lying on the bed in Matthew chapter 9. And Jesus got there after he just healed a woman with the issue of the blood and he finally got there. And you know what? She had died, okay? Um, and, uh, and what happened was, of course, the um, parents had had got in professional mourners. That's what they do in Jewish culture. And so all the flute players and all the, you know, they got in there and they were making, the, it says in Scripture in Matthew 9, the flute players and the noisy crowd were wailing. They were doing what they were paid for. Isn't that sad when you have to employ people to come to a funeral? <laughs> you know, they were doing that. And Jesus came into the room and he says, make room for the girl is not dead but sleeping. And you know what they all did? They just ridiculed him. You're an idiot, Jesus. You're off your tree. And you already did. And, and, and then it says, he put them outside. Folks, when are you going to start to get rid of the intruders in your mind? Outside. I don't need that. I don't need those thoughts. He went and took her by the hand then. When everybody was outside, he went, took her by the hand and healed her and she rose to, you know, raised her from the dead. Would have been a bit of a conundrum then. I mean, what are they going to do with the whalers? Who's going to pay them? You know, the girl's alive. The parents said, I'm not paying you. She was alive. She's alive. Who knows what happened? But anyway, reality is you need to kick out the intruders. When are you going to say, hey, out of the room, out of my head. Come on, there's a better way. Jesus has, has completes me. Not only does he complete me, but he also wants me to realize that I can walk in a level of positivity and 
faith. It's not just the world positivity. I'm not just saying, oh, every, it's not being ridiculous. It's being living by faith. Sometimes we have the facts and then we have faith. And you know what? The faith needs to overcome the facts sometimes because the facts say, oh, this is, you know, the bank balance is this. The facts say that, you know, I've got, I've got this cut and this bruise. And, you know, yesterday I'm sitting on the side of that road and looking at my, my little old pinky here, my, my, um, my uh, what is it? Index finger. And I'm thinking, that does not look good. That's the facts. But by faith, I believe it'll be okay. And it was. You know what, you know what the doctor said at emergency yesterday when he, was, um, he lifted all the flaps of skin up? And he said, you know what? The sheath of tendons is not being touched. You will be able to bend this finger. I said, that's good news. <laughs> Another fraction of a millimeter could have been a problem. I thought, God, this is a good day for me. I'm not going to lose the mobility of my finger. And then he stitched it up. I thought, praise God. See, you can look at the problem, or you can look at what God does do. You say, oh, you're just being ridiculous. And it's just overplaying an example, so for the sake of preaching. Well, amen. <laughs> Come on. Kick him out of the house. You know, we, in the same vehicle that you drove this morning to church, you can, you've got a forward motion, you've got a, a forward gear and a reverse gear. You know, the forward gear is the faith gear. The reverse gear is, is, the, is the fear gear. And I just want to say, you have the choice which way you're going to drive down the road. Because it's not very healthy and not a good way to drive reversing down the road all the way home today. That's a dangerous stunt. But the reality is, is you've got to make a decision. Are you going to drive forward or are you going to drive back? You're going to drive in faith or you're going to drive in fear? And I think God, Jesus, continually asks us, he says, come on, come on. And depending on how you think, it will be to depend on which gear you're in, forward or back. And I thank you that we serve a God of faith, that a God that says, come on, I see you so differently than sometimes you see yourself because you need to see who you are in me. Um, think on things that are good and pure and right and just and worthy of praise, Philippians 4, 8 says. You know, it takes faith to know your position in Christ and bodily confess that. Boldly, sorry, confess that. Um, and what your mind determines is what you find. So not only are we complete in him, not only does God say we, he wants us to be incredibly positive people or faithful people, but we're created. The third thing, if we understand that it's not where we are today, but who we are in Christ, we'll understand this. We'll understand we're created for blessing and success. We're created for that. Now you say, well, you know, I'm not living that in that moment. I'm not seeing that in my life. I understand that, but I want to see you've got to look past that sometimes and see that what God wants for you, not what the world wants for you. Maybe sometimes we've got to throw off those things that so easily want to weigh us down and say, God, I'm going to take on board your blessing and not this rubbish that the world wants to feed me all the time. We are created for success. In Genesis, God said, let us make men in our image, according to our likeness, and then have dominion over the fish and the birds and the cattle and the earth and every creeping thing on the earth. And God created man in his image. In the image of God, he created a male and female, he created them. There is so much contained in there, those passages. But our identity is determined by our beginning. How did you begin? Well, we began, folks. God created us. 
And I'm so glad of that, that we're not some lower source of life. We're not crawled out of the mud. We're not a big bang um, explosion and the world came to being. We're not anything else. I am not some demeaning um, monkey, you know, folks, that I came from. Praise God for that. Folks, we, God didn't say you, you are. God says we're worth much more than the birds of the air. Isn't that true? He created us. We're not evolved. That's good. And that's what we need to understand. And we're created in his image. An image has got nothing to do with the physical attributes of God as it's got nothing to do with your physical attributes. You all look fantastic, but the reality is your real image is what's inside. That's the thing that counts. It's the DNA of your heart. And the DNA of God is incredibly powerful. His qualities, it's your DNA. It's the qualities of your personality and your reasoning and your intellect and your capacity to relate, to hear, to see, and to speak. And he's reproduced those characteristics in us, his qualities. He says, I made you in my image. And the great, wonderful thing about it is that our identity benefits from that. And, and then we determine who we really are. And we start to see the best and, uh, in what he has created in us. And we don't have to start, praise God, with the lowest common denominator of, well, you know, I've, I'm some little you know, thing that crawled out of the mud and now I'm evolved into a human being. Praise God, we always have been human beings. The world is so confused, so confused. Because if I crawled out of the mud, the enemy starts to feed me all this rubbish that I'm really nobody. And I think, well, I didn't really have anything at the start. So I've got nothing now and I've got nothing for the future. Isn't that the way that sometimes it works? But when we say, well, God, I was a created being, an intelligent being, and God knit me together in my mother's womb as he did Adam and Eve. He created them first. And, you know, the reality is, is that now I've got a, I've got a wonderful past because how I began is establishing my identity. And now I've got a wonderful today. I'm, I'm, I'm chosen. I'm blessed. And that means I've got a wonderful future. I've got a place not only here on earth, but in heaven. What a wonderful life. No wonder he talks about he wants us to have a glorious life. He wants us to live blessed. Um, see, his image is his moral DNA. God's given us incredible qualities to live, to give us incredible identity so that we can answer the question, who we are. Who we are is good. See, God's moral code, what is it? Love. That's one thing. It, we have an incredible capacity to love other people. You know why? Because God first loved us. We have an, he, you know, God cannot lie. We have the capacity to have real integrity and honesty. It makes life go so much better with integrity and honesty, doesn't it? He's, he's got that. He's given it to us. God is all giving. He's not selfish. So we have the desire and the capacity to be giving people. We see that uh, yesterday's event and many other events and yourself, um, the selfless acts that sometimes you guys are involved in. God's given us. Where all those wonderful qualities come from in your life? They come from our Heavenly Father's image, His DNA in us. And as we draw near to Him, He'll put more of that in us. Oh, I love that. Um, we can find great personal satisfaction. All these things that He creates he creates a wonderful personal identity for us and we discover who we are and that really where we are right now, we've got nothing to do with who we are sometimes. Where you are might be is a great place right now. That's fine. But if where you are right now isn't in that nicest place, please understand who you are is not determined by where you are. Unfortunately, sin destroys God's moral DNA in us. And it's like we collect so much rubbish sometimes and that good rubbish just covers over all the goodness in you and just 
pushes it out. You know, I, uh, I uh, had the opportunity uh, in 2000 to go in, um, uh, into Europe. And uh, when I was there, I went to Florence in Italy. And Michelle and I and two of our girls went and saw the, uh, went into a very common building. But inside was the statue of David. You know, that, that statue is just huge. The statue of David just, uh, you know, he stands on a, on, a, on, a, uh, on a stand of about probably a meter or two. And then he's about another three or four meters in the air. And he's underneath this dome and, and this building that's not very particularly flash building. But there he is, the real statue of David. And Michelangelo carved that statue from a block of marble. And Michelangelo, folks, he was just a genius. He was just incredible. He just obviously had an amazing gifting on his life. He acknowledged God. He was, had a belief in God. And so he acknowledges God in his gifting. He's a painter. He was a, a sculpture. And someone asked Michelangelo, how did you sculpture David? How did you do that, Michael? And you know what he said? He says, you know what? I just took this block of marble and I just carved away everything that wasn't David. I just carved away everything that wasn't the statue. It's a very humble answer, as if it just David was in there and he just had to take away the bits that weren't David. And you and I know it takes incredible skill to do that, but that was his answer. But you know what? There's some truth in his answer because I think God just wants to take away all the bits that he never created for you to have in your life. I think he wants to continually carve away and to develop your character and minister to your heart. He continually wants to impart his presence, his, all his purposes in your life. It's him. And you know, sometimes we, we get this stuff that we just need to be carved away. And his presence does that. All the stuff that sometimes you just don't like about yourself. I wish I didn't do that. And I wish I didn't say that. And I wish I didn't think that. And I just want to encourage us this morning that where you are today is not who you are. But when you see that who you are is in Christ, who you are is in all that he's got for you. He's, he makes you complete. He wants, to make, he wants to help you see the positive of life, the faithful things. And he certainly, of course, he wants you to understand very clearly that he's created us for blessing and to be a blessing to others. And that sometimes there's just this carving away. You know, as I said earlier, um, the physical body gets the cuts and bruises. But you know, it's the soul that really gets the cuts and bruises that we have to struggle with. And you know, the Bible says, guard your heart above all things because out of it flows the things of life. It's the source. And today I want to just want to invite you to say, Father, could you just come in, in, in here the cuts and bruises I've received and the pain, would you continue to mend and heal that so I can just have healthy identity in my life, healthy or where I'm headed, so that I treat other people with a real element of health. So I treat myself. I love myself. Like some of us struggle to love ourselves today. You know, loving yourself has got nothing to do with your outside body, your physical body. It's got everything to do with who, what's inside. Because we stand this morning, we're going to... Sing a song in a moment, just our last song. And today, I believe the Holy Spirit has been here from the start. <laughs> He's never not here, I believe, but His presence just wants to minister to the very core of your life and encourage you and bless you. And maybe today, this physical need within your body. 
I believe the healing power of God is here just to believe that heal and touch physical bodies. And I'd love to just pray with you and the team just to come and pray and believe God for wholeness and health. But also I want to believe for wholeness and health within the internal uh, life as well. And where the cuts and bruises have come and say, as we come and yield and say, God, here they are. Here they are. And God, I just thank you more of you, more of your presence, more of your strength, more of you in my life as, song, as the song goes. So let's sing this morning. I invite you this morning, if there's need of physical need of healing in your body, why don't we stand and pray, believe the power of the Holy Spirit. If there's a, there's a need for a, any other kind of healing, I invite you this morning, come and stand before him and worship. Say, Father, take. Maybe you've never, you're not accustomed to coming out the front and being prayed for. It's okay. No one's going to force you to do anything or Saying we just want to stand with you and believe the Holy Spirit wants to minister. Believe this morning that particularly there is someone that relationships that really have just really hurt them, and God wants to just minister grace and strength to your life this morning in that area. I believe someone's concerned about worry. They worry particularly about their future, and and in particularly there's a job situation that just is, it's not going well, and you're just trying to work that one through. God wants to minister to your strength to you this morning. Um, uh, maybe some other areas that you're just concerned about today. Um, let's just allow the Holy Spirit to minister. Come on, let's stand together. Come on, let's worship just for a moment. You be bold. Let God come and do something. Don't stand back and say, oh, that's for someone else. No, that's for you this morning. God wants to do something in your life, I believe, today. Come on. Go 